So when Jean and I moved uh, to Spring Lake from Holland uh, in 1999, we, uh, the home we moved into had a, a dining room, which we hadn't had before. And we were at some friend's house in Holland, and they had this huge round table. So we asked how they got it and what they did. Now, theirs was very nice wood, so we found a scaled-down version. But basically, it was seven feet uh, in diameter. It's a huge table. In fact, I found out later that that's the exact measurement to make it tip through your door and get through. Like, you know, you have to actually think through those things, which I'm too stupid to do. And they, they took two window panes that were half circles and made it and then put it together. So they made this for us, and we brought it up and had this seven-foot diameter table in our dining room and have had it all these years. And you can sit 12 people around there. It's like the Oshanas and the round table. So what we remember, though, and what we've had over all these years are moments of creating memories there. And moments that are great things, we've had all sorts of things we celebrate, but one in particular is whenever someone's birthday comes around in our family, we try to come together all like this, and what we have done historically is we reflect on that person. We tell them what we appreciate about them. We remember stories from their lives. We kind of memorialize and engage and celebrate who they are and what they've done. And it's really very meaningful. In fact, I want to invite my kids over just so I can hear more about me because I'm selfish that way. But it's really fun to reflect and kind of be renewed and reminded of all that we value and cherish in each other. Well, I tell you that because we're at the end of a year for our church. We come, our year goes June 1st to May 31st. And so we call it the ministry year. It's how we fund, it's how we plan, it's all that we do. So we're to the end of a year and it's a time for us to remember and celebrate. And as we do that, I want to give you a picture from Scripture, really a principle from Scripture to do this, and then I want us to take it beyond what it does from the Old Testament, because that's where we get the principle, to what Jesus did with this and give even hopefully more depth to us as we look back at the year and look at our own lives. So with this in mind, I'm going to take you to the story of Jacob. This is a very particular one. It's in Genesis 28. Jacob, there's Abraham, in case you don't know, Abraham would be the father of Israel. He's the one that God said this to him, hey, I'm going to make you a great nation, change the world through you. And he tells him it'll be through his seed, basically, which he doesn't have a kid till he's really old. There's all sorts of miracles going along with that. He has Isaac. Then years later, Isaac has Jacob and Esau, and Jacob is the one that it's God's plan is through. So we're in a place now with Jacob where he has to leave his family because his brother wants to kill him, which is a whole other mess that he helped create. But it, it's really the ugliness of family, which, by the way, is a great picture for us. We always think that everybody has these great normal lives. We say together because life is messy. The family of Israel is a serious mess. Therapy all over the place. I mean, it's a hor horrible mess of what's going on. We all have it. So in this particular time, Jacob is now um, by himself, and he has a dream this night. He's out in a, in a place, and he dreams. So when he has this dream, uh, he sees this ladder between heaven and earth and angels going up and down from it. These are just two depictions of it. One... Uh, during the Renaissance and the other during the Romantic period, it just reminds me that uh, in every time we vision these things differently. I, I particularly like the rounded staircase, but the whole Renaissance is about real life and kind of just doing it bland as it is. This is about what it pictures. Not that you care, but I like knowing those things. So Jacob has his dream, and it dramatically affects him. He's going off to be by himself, and then in the dream, God speaks to him, and this is what he says, and this is what we're starting with today. It says, there above it, above this ladder between heaven and earth, stood the Lord. And he said to Jacob, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. 
I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are living. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done that, what I have promised you. Now, before we go on to what happens and even get to this memorializing of this day, I want to point out a few things from this passage that I think have purpose and meaning for us that can be very, really profound in our day. So I want you to see what happens. And imagine you're Jacob. You know that your dad is being promised. And then his dad, your grandfather, was all this great future. And God's affirming it again. In fact, he says this very simply. I'm going to give you and your descendants the land. I'm going to give you the land you're even on right now. I'm giving you the future. Now, in the ancient world, land was everything. So he's saying, I'm giving you an identity of land. By the way, your descendants themselves will be like the dust of the earth. You're going to have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of kids. Can't even count them. Same thing he told Abraham. And then he says, you're even going to spread out to the west, the east, the north, and the south. He says, even the whole earth, all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, just to remind us, we were in this in Galatians that... This is the promise God makes that through Abraham and ultimately through Jesus, the whole world will be transformed. That's what he's telling Jacob this dream is. But then he goes on, and this is the part that I find fascinating. Because after all the promises he gives them, he says, oh, by the way, I'm with you. Oh, and also I'm going to watch over you. And I'll be with you wherever you go. Oh, and then again, I'm going to bring you back to this land. I'll be with you and take you with me. And by the way, I'm not going to leave you. Nope, I'm going to stay with you. Oh, and I'm going to do this. I promise. Now, what I want you to see is, do you see how much God is just talking to Jacob about, about being with him? So, so I want you to be honest with me, and I'm, I'll be honest with you. When I seek God, I look for what he does for me. And I often think, even when I'm close to him, what will I get from this for the things I want? Now, Jacob has the same thing. God's promising all this great stuff. But I don't want you to miss... What God says to him is, oh, by the way, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to take you back. I promise I'll be here. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to do what I said I'll do. You you realize everything else God promises is himself. The reason I don't want us to miss this is let's be honest. We look at God as a transaction. I love the Lord as long as (laughs) I can so want to go there right now. (laughs) I'm so easily distracted. What am I talking about again? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, let's, let's be honest. We look to God to give us things, and we miss the best thing he gives us is himself. We want transaction over relationship. I just didn't want you to miss in Jacob's life, it's easy, and in all of our lives, it's easy to say, I will follow you as long as, and what we really want is what's out here, and what we miss is God going, oh, by the way, I'm here. I'm with you. What do you think the best thing God gives us? Is it what we pray he has, or is it him? It's him, in case you don't know. The creator of everything, the God of the universe, is better than anything you'll ever have. I just didn't want to miss it because I find it so powerful in this story and in this very revelation. And I'm not even sure Jacob gets it at the time. I just think it's interesting to look at it and literally see what God provided and what he said he would do. Now let me move on to where it goes from here. After this happens, he wakes up in the morning and he takes the stone that he placed under his head. By the way, let me just stop there. Uh, I don't know how many of you, but I need a good pillow and I like my pillow. 
Like, I heard he slept on the stone. I'm like, oh, my goodness, this dude must have had serious back trouble going to PT. I don't even know how he managed, which doesn't tell us anything in the story, but that's sadly where my mind goes. Poor Jacob. So he takes the stone that he placed under his head, and he sets it up as a pillar, it says, and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Now, Bethel is just important to know that it means the house of the Lord. He's renaming it because he encountered God here, and he's saying, this is where God is. Wow. That's really what he's doing. But the other thing he's doing is he's taking a stone and he's setting it up as a pillar. The Hebrew word is mabasa. It's, it's really, or masaba. It's really an interesting idea that it means a stone of memorial. It means a stone is set somewhere to remember what happened there. In a sense, as a, an image or a signpost, God did something right here. Now, it wasn't exclusive to Israel. All the nations did this. Lots of them had stones. In fact, later in Israel's history, we find that they take other nation stones and their gods and start putting them up, and God goes, get rid of those other stones. They're not me. They're not true. Get rid of them. So it's not that it's all good. But I want you to understand, in Israel's history, when God moved, they put a stone up. So I'll give you another example. They get into the Jordan River, and God tells them just to step out into it, and the waters part, and they go through. Guess what they do to commemorate that they got through? Yep, they take a bunch of stones and they put them up. Because we're going to remember every time we walk by here what God did. And this happens over and over and over again. So in essence, what they do is they create a physical memorial to remember how God moves so they can always see and be reminded of who he is and what he's done. You getting the picture of a memorial? I want you to get it because it's the same idea. When we get to a year end, we want to memorialize. We want to remember what did God do. But I want to take it a step further before we talk about the year. Because in the New Testament, after Jesus lives and dies and rises again, Peter, this early church leader, connects these, these stones to who Jesus is and who we are. In fact, he even says Jesus is the cornerstone, which some of you will understand a cornerstone is at the foundation of a building. But here in this chapter, he describes it a little differently. He doesn't just say cornerstone. He says this. And he's talking, telling us as Jesus followers, you come to him, meaning Jesus, the living stone. Now, they would immediately remember, oh, these, these stones that we did in memorial, the living stone. I just want you to remember that. Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. Now, before I go on to us, it's just good to us to be reminded foundationally. Jesus is God himself. He comes in the flesh. He comes and basically endures all the miserable things we have created from life and all of our history. We call that sin. It's the things we do intentionally, unintentionally. It's the things that are done to us intentionally and unintentionally. We say around here together because life is messy. Messy just means we got a lot of sin problem, don't we? So Jesus came, and the crazy part is he gets rejected to endure our rejection. That's where we begin. Now, we all want to understand this as Christ followers. And if you're with us and you're not following Jesus, the first thing we want you to know about God is God comes to us. In all this mess, everybody wants to know why and why doesn't God finish it. We all want God to be transactional. And instead, God says, I'm with you. I'm here, which is the very life of Jesus. Whenever I get asked this question, and I do often, you know, why would God cause this? You're like, listen, I can't answer why it happens, but all I can tell you is the answer is I'm here. I'm here. So God endures all this suffering to come and be with us and then to die for all the mess we've caused so that we can be forgiven and live. That's the simple rendition of this. And if you're on a journey, we'll keep journeying with us 
We believe Jesus will reveal that to you, and that's what we want to have happen. It doesn't have to happen through me. It could happen through all of you. It could happen all the way along, but we want you to be pursuing that. Then Peter says, hey, he's a living stone, and by the way, you are like living stones. You also are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. Now, we'll come back to the priesthood idea, but I want you to understand it's no longer that we put stones up. You understand that we are stones, very simply, it's like we were all in Frozen and we're the trolls, the little stone trolls, for those of you who have ever seen that with little kids. We basically are walking around as signs and monuments to who Jesus is. Come on, isn't that awesome? So we're not reflecting simply on where did God move that we can hold up a sign. We're reflecting on how did God move in and through you so we can give thanks for what he's doing because guess what? You are living stones. And the beauty is we don't have to put you up at a doorway or at some other place where God moved. Everywhere you go, you bring him. Portable stones, come on. That's amazing, isn't it? It's just a very cool picture. And so I didn't want us to miss this before we basically look back and go, listen, we want to celebrate what God's done this last year. And he's done some really great things. Now, before I get into the detail of all that, I also want to acknowledge this. How many of you has this been a tough year for? Most of us. Understandably, too, right? It's been hard. And we might even say, it's been hard. How can I be a signpost? How can I celebrate? And there's a couple of thoughts for you in this. One is the promise God gave Jacob, by the way, he never saw. Do you know that he never got to see all these descendants? He never got to see all this stuff come back that way. He saw the beginnings of it and certainly never saw God change the world in his lifetime, but he still was given the promise. One of the things that reminds us is we often have a short look at this. If I don't see the results, it doesn't count. And that's just not true. But let me take you one step back even more. I believe we all want to be people of integrity and character. True? And we know this, we talk about it regularly, but Paul gives us a really wonderful picture of this. Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and out of character comes hope. And hope won't disappoint, it says, because the Spirit moves in us. You know what that means? We are changed through crud. I sometimes wish it were different. I ask God often, could instead of this being difficult, could I just take the easy street to good? But that good, easy street isn't the way of God, and it isn't the way of life, is it? And we also know that when we have an easy street, it actually prevents us from being who God made us to be. Now, I'm not saying that to say this year was caused by God, but I'm saying God will take the struggle of this year and do something beautiful. So I want you to look beyond this. We're going to reflect on things God did in our church, and we're going to give thanks for them. But I want you to be able today, too, to reflect in your own life as we kind of hit a finish line. Okay, we're at the end of this ministry year. And there's a couple of things you can always ask as a Christian. Did I pursue or do I know Jesus any better today than I did a year ago? And if not, I'm not telling you to shame yourself. I'm just telling you, boy, acknowledge that and ask God to awaken you. Do I love people more today than I did a year ago? Would anyone agree that's been really hard this year? Maybe loving people and growing in that is the biggest thing God's doing. Do I care about people that are outside of my circle? Do I want to reach people? Do I want to be a living stone? Like those are three simple ways to ask, what's God doing? So I just, I want you to consider those today and even just be honest with God. 
But please don't be down on yourself like it means you're bad if you didn't. Just be honest and go, God, I'm stuck. I need you. Now, the part I also want to recognize is for many of you, you should just be celebrating that you made it through the year. I always think of anybody who has young kids in this season and kids all the way up into adulthood that have had to navigate doing all this stuff at home and all the things you navigate, whether single parents or you know, a two-parent family, you made it through the year, you should be a standing stone. Like, honestly, well done. It was hard. Marriages are under stress. People are under stress individually. It's been a hard year. Can we just agree that God even helping us through the year is an achievement? And we've had lots of loss and pain through this year. We've said goodbye to people. There are people we said goodbye to we didn't even get to say goodbye to. Early in this whole COVID mess, my best friend from high school, his dad passed away very suddenly. He was kind of a second dad to me, and all I could do was watch online while they had 10 people at a little funeral. I couldn't even be there. I mean, we have things we lost this year, didn't we? So let's not miss God helping us through those matters. And by the way, while we're going to celebrate, I don't want to miss either. Please don't run past the pain of this year. Maybe part of that is sharing it with God too. We, we have this weird thing in our, in our culture in West Michigan and even our church culture. Because Jesus rose, especially in the church culture, well, that means everything's good. So we forget death and we forget struggle as if we're supposed to feel better. A lot of times growing in your faith is going, God, this is hard. Would you just be with me in my sadness and my difficulty? Because let's be honest, we've had a lot of relationship fractures this year too, haven't we? Maybe part of being a standing stone is just asking God to meet you in the pain of that. I just don't want to miss that while we're going to celebrate. Now, at the same time, we've seen some great things this year, and we're going to give it in three kind of big categories. We're just going to go over a few of those. Life change is kind of the first one. We're going to look at the way you've served and what you've done generously. And so I want to just begin with life change. And one of the things we always celebrate, like this top one is probably at the top of our list all the time. It's seeing new people come to faith and watching all of you grow together in Christ, taking steps towards him taking steps of becoming more like him. That's why I ask things like, are you loving people more? Are you growing in your connection to him? We've had wonderful things. It says it again at the bottom, the stories of unchurched and dechurched. Thad told a story in December of a young woman who'd been far from God, no interest. And I'm not, I don't even remember how she connected online, but she literally started watching and somehow God began to touch her and she began to grow and follow Jesus and can't wait to get baptized. And we've had time after time of that. I know friends that during this COVID time began to sneakily watch and engage with people or just hang out with friends who are followers of Jesus. You, you know that you, again, are living stones. It's not that we, you get them here and we convince them. It's that you live in relationship with them. In fact, there are, are kind of two big pictures for me as we look ahead to this year. And we're actually working on a five-year strategic plan, and I'll just give you a little bit of vision from that. We're not going to go through it all today, but we're building it around a very simple idea in Acts 4. Uh, is two of the disciples are, uh, are going through some stuff in, in Jerusalem, and they basically have this powerful event that happens, and all the people say about them is they took notice of them and were amazed because they had been with Jesus. In other words, they just could tell they were living stones by the way they lived. They had spent time with Jesus. They knew him, and it was affecting everyone around them, and everything they did was from it. Now, the reason I tell you that is one of my journeys this year personally and as a leader has been to ask both pastors and lay leaders what their life is like of pursuing Jesus personally. 
And I'll be honest with you, what I found is it's really, really low and almost absent in most Christians. And, and I don't say that as, a, as a, like a, a hostility. I say it as an honest revelation of we haven't really learned how to be close or connect to him. And we live in such a way that we either think we're not worthy, we're so busy, we don't have time or we don't want it that bad. That I go, you want to know how we're going to change the world? Living stones, guess what? We connect to the living stone. We become people that are connected. And if you believe it's only for a select few, you are dead wrong. Jesus' resurrection in his spirit was to fill every believer that he wants you to be close and commune with him. And if you struggle with that, we're here to help that. But don't pretend. And it just kind of broke my heart to realize we all, as, and I mean the church, I'm not saying just ours. I've talked to lots of churches. This is a place we've kind of done our own thing instead of connect to Jesus. So you just need to know we're going to continue to explore and see how we help and we cultivate it. And I'll tell you this, we have a statement on staff now. We live it before we lead it. We are not asking you to do anything we're not doing. This is not a program. This is a pursuit. Now that's the first side of it. The other side I don't want you to miss in all this is uh, you realize you will lead people to both faith and growing in faith. Don't, don't jump up and down or anything. Did you know that God made you with a purpose to reach other people, to love them with his love and help them discover him? And if you have the idea that you're going to bring them here and I'll convince them or one of us will, not that we won't, we'll do the parts we do, but guess what? They're going to be much more moved by your life than mine or anyone up here. And you've believed a lie that you either can't do it, you don't know what to do, or just no one would listen to you. And it's just not true. The more I hang out with friends that are not Christians, the more I realize, and, and you probably don't know, see, it's a weird thing hanging out in the community because they know Christians from different churches, and I would never disparage any church, but they will tell me sometimes when they meet someone from a place what they're like, and they draw conclusions. And when they meet you, they sniff authenticity, and it matters to them. You help us, and we help you. I do not want you to miss that when we put these things on the screen, lives changed, your call is to be that living stone. We'll do everything we can to help you, but your call is to, not just us. I never want us to miss this. I spent most of my adult life teaching people just to invite and include and not realizing you are living stones to go out and be and do in places none of us can. You will change the world, not us. There should be a huge amen to that. I just want you to, like, I want you to know you will change the world if you'd really believe and really seek Christ on your own. We can change it. We just can't change it with you thinking you've got to do it. At, you've got to look to other people, and you can't. I just don't want us to miss this. Now, these are all the other things that go along with this. We've watched a ton of people in groups. We only listed 270 because many of you don't fill things out. So this is just remedial because you, you're here, but you're not telling us. So tell us more. But seeing that many people in groups, we did this during COVID, you realize. Many of you engaged in a group online, and it was both beautiful and sad. I mean, some of you are older. I was like, um, now where's the microphone? I don't know what to do. And I'm like looking at your nose while you're on the computer doing it. But I appreciate that you did it. And then others of you are so savvy, you're like, I don't want to be on a computer again. I don't want to even talk to somebody. But you still pursued relationship. Oh, we're so glad. Because one of the things we found out, guess what, is that we are not the church in a building. We are the church wherever we go. We don't need a building to be the church. And it's one of the beautiful things we discovered this year, isn't it? 
I mean, I'm glad, oh, it felt so good to hear you guys singing and cranking out, man. They're, oh, it was great today. But man, I don't want that to be what we think we need. I want it to be that we know that we live this way. I, it was great. Last fall, we were hardly seeing anybody other than online, and we did outdoor baptism, and all of you were, there were a bunch of you there. There were people we hadn't seen in years, like, oh, I'm so glad you're still here. We were loving it. And I love that because it was a picture of how you all care that when people find faith, we want to celebrate. We're going to do another one this summer. We were going to do one today, and we just had so many people that wanted to do it outdoors and later that we said, we'll just do it then. And so we're going to be telling you about that, but we don't want you to miss it. We watched your engagement both digitally and in person. We watched how you connected to people inside and outside the church, heard the same thing with stories of engaging. One of my favorites from last summer was uh, we, did a, we did a group study online called The Art of Neighboring, and it was just how you actually be neighborly to people. You actually be Jesus' hands and feet in basic things. I heard stories from like one couple that was a little bit older said, you know, we were going to do all this stuff in our backyard and build a fence, and they decided instead to put it out in the front yard and start connecting their neighbors. They changed where they socialized just so they could get to know their neighbors. Others that began to prayer walk and would even stop and say, how can I pray for you right now? What can I do? And got to know their neighbors story after story that you are learning that you have a mission and a way to live. You are standing stones wherever you go. And we want to see more, God move this more in our lives. The next category I said was serving. One of the things I was so grateful for that we all were was in the midst of being shut down, you all still found ways, many of you, to serve. We served over 800 families through our food trucks. I, I think of those who serve in our uh, food pantry even regularly. They came in. We had to run them in shifts at different times. They came in through all of this when everything was shut down because we would not miss out helping people, and many of you have done that. You did this great thing where you helped us to host over 75 uh, new direction classes that we were involved with. Over 500 families were helped through our actual pantry, what I spoke about in our lobby. 35,000 volunteer hours, come on. Isn't that great? Yeah. And I'll just say this to you today, because it's something that's really, it's shifting for me personally. We, you know, we want you to kind of find your way and to be able to just come and be at the same time. But I'll tell you what, you will grow when you engage in serving. And so I don't know what it is if you're not, but you should step into it. And we have lots of needs. We have needs inside and outside the church. You know, we're, we're struggling even. We want to get our 9 o'clock going with kids. We need people to step into that. We, sh we want other people to step in. And here's the beautiful thing. It's not just because we need it. It will change you. When you step in to serve, it's a way of saying, I'm the hands and feet of Jesus. I want to do this. I, I stood up here yesterday. We, we did a wedding. It was actually round two. We did it a year ago out in the gazebo with a few people, and we had the, the formal wedding yesterday. And the couple decided for this one they wanted to do a foot washing ceremony. Uh, and I asked them why, and they said, you know, we really want our marriage to be built on serving each other, that we think if we serve each other, we'll love each other better. And for some reason, I, I know that, I've watched it, but it just, it kind of moved me yesterday, and I thought, this is really the disposition I wish we all had. I, I want you to stop worrying if you have time, and I want you to start saying, how can I? And move into serving more. I'm telling you, it will change your life. It, you will help, but it will change your life. We have lots to be thankful for. The final thing is just generosity. Uh, you guys amazingly have been really generous in a very confusing and questionable year. We didn't even know how it would go. We came very close to making budget, and we underspent, so we're in good shape even there. But 100 families we blessed through this benevolence consortium, and what that means is we work with an agency that helps us to determine the best way to help a need. 
several different ones in town, and then different churches come together and we all give towards it and help participate. By the way, we say that we want the kingdom to advance and we value the church, not just a church. We do it. You help us do it. We literally go and there's a bunch of other churches and we go, how can we all help? And these people get helped and they don't go, well, it was all sure. They go, the church in the Tri-Cities helped. Come on, isn't that great? And you help us do that through your generosity. You guys gave almost $90,000 at Christmas Eve. That is huge. Yeah. And in case you don't know, our offerings over all the years we've done it have varied between 60 and about 90. I mean, you were right at the top of what we've given in a year. Again, we didn't know what was coming. And yet you found a way to be generous. We were able to do things like support a medical ministry in China that's seen 5,000 people come to Christ. Whew, come on, that's amazing. We funded a well project in Mozambique, people that actually have access to water now that didn't before because of you. We completed a latrine project in Ethiopia, and we know all the issues of health and disparity and illness that come if we don't have that. It's not glamorous, but it's powerful. You actually helped us to partner with three new ministry families in the Middle East and one in Europe. In case you don't know it, all over the globe, missionaries are losing funding from churches left and right. And not only did we not lose, you were able to help us give more. In fact, we continue to be the top giver in the entire movement to our own denominational ministry of, that's global, global partners. That's you guys. Yeah. So there's a lot to be thankful for this year. And as I said before, what we want to do is move ahead, really simply saying over the next five years, we want to be known as people who have been with Jesus. And from there, we want to be standing stones that step out and display who he is to a world in need as he leads us and fills us. Because make no mistake, you and I can't do it on our own. In fact, that's really the simple difference. People always think, well, you have all this time or you have training or you can do this. You want to know the only, the thing I feel like I've learned more just in my job of doing this is I've learned that I can't do it. <laughs> I am more skilled at being dependent, which sounds funny but I'm more skilled at saying, I don't know what to do. And finally, God, meet me in that. That's the journey he wants to invite you to. Now, I, I want to give us a standing stone, one that we can use regularly to continue to walk ahead, one that we can be reminded of all through the year. And it's something we're bringing back. It's communion, and I want to explain it to you this way before we go into it, that it really is a place for us to be centered and reminded. But I want to take you back to second to Peter's letter and what he says because it sets the course for it. As he'd already said about Jesus being a living stone, he says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. In other words, you and I build our lives around the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We believe it happened. We believe in his forgiveness. And we believe he gives us new life and new purpose. And then we actually believe that for all the things he gives us, all the transactions, what matters most is he says, I'm with you. I'm going to give you life. I'm going to be with you through all of this. It's about me, not about what happens. Peter continues then to give us clarity on that. He says, you all are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. By the way, chosen doesn't mean taken out so that no one else, like there's in and out. A royal priesthood means you're here actually to serve the rest of the world. God's special possession, why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. By the way, declare here does not mean to speak, it means to make known. It doesn't mean you don't speak, but it means you make him known because what are you? Living stones, the way you live makes him known. That's how people discover him. You once were not a people, but now you are. You once had not received mercy, but now you have. That is such a great picture for us of what's the best about life. 
What you and I have is we have Jesus. And Jesus gives us life. Jesus gives us purpose to help others find life. Jesus makes us a family and lets us receive mercy. We are people that have been with Jesus. And we leave that place from being with him, bringing his hope naturally and supernaturally, fully dependent on him. And what I love that we're reinstituting communion today is it's a way to be reminded every week of the year, we set a standing stone, a memorial of the reality of what Jesus has done by celebrating communion. I don't know about you, we, we have missed this. I have missed this over all this year. It's been so hard. We found different ways to do it. And we've made some changes in this. One, very simply, is that you're going to have cups now at your seats instead of us coming forward. And we realize that does two things. One is it actually is more hygienic, so that's good because people are always grossed out about dipping that stuff, but that's another story. But the other is that we have people among us always that are not following Jesus, and they no longer have to walk up and feel self-conscious or not walk up. They can be here, and when they're ready, they can respond. And so what I want to simply do is remind us of the meaning of communion as we finish up our time, and then we'll celebrate it together. I want you to be reminded that for all of church history, communion was something the church did every single week. It was the centerpiece of the church for most of history. Over singing and over the preaching of the word, it was the centerpiece because it centered on what Jesus had done and what he was continuing to do. And we have re-engaged in it because we think it should be a centerpiece for us that every week we want to be reminded of what Jesus did, but not just reminded, we actually believe that Jesus does something, that God's spirit gives grace to you, touches you. Now, you may not feel it viscerally. It doesn't mean you're going to have an emotional experience, but we think he does something in what we call the sacrament. We don't think we just remember. We think God moves and does something in you. So what we're doing is every week we're going back to, we're going to fix our eyes on the cornerstone. We're going to fix our eyes on the living stone, and I simply want to pray and then guide us through this. And then Carter's going to sing with us to close out our time. So what I'm asking is we prepare to celebrate communion, that you would be with us. God, I'm praying that you would remind each one of your forgiveness in your life. And this would not just be a ritual, a religious routine, but it will be revelation. It will be grace. And it will be good to center us you as a living stone and us in response as living stones. I pray this in your name that you'd meet us as we celebrate now. Amen. In case you don't know, Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. It was a practice for Passover. It was a bread that was free of leaven, and God told them when they were in a hurry not to put leaven in it. It became understood to the Jews that leaven was an image of sin, that leaven is what makes bread rise. It's an image literally of pride and the sourness of sin. Jesus, by this flat bread, reminds us he lived a sinless life. It's got burn marks in it and piercings in there to be reminded of the torture and the suffering he went through so you and I could have life. God says, I'm with you. I love you. I die for you. That's what we remember. He took the bread, he broke it, he gave thanks. He said, this is my body given for you. And in just a minute, I'll have you take it. You'll want to take your cups out. You'll peel just the top back. There should be a little piece of bread there. a little, And then there's a second peel to get to the drink. I know for some of you it's a little more challenging. Don't worry if you can't get it. Ask the person next to you. We'll, we'll get there. The joy is we take it together because everyone is equally loved and of infinite value to him. It's his body given for us. Let's take the bread. In the same way Jesus took the cup 
He said, this is a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. It's a beautiful thing in the ancient world when you drank of a cup, you shared a destiny. When we drink of the cup, we're reminded we share the destiny ultimately that Jesus will return and will be with him forever. But we also share the destiny that he gave us his spirit. We're not just forgiven, we're changed to be a royal priesthood that proclaims who he is by how we live and love people. And when we take it, we're reminded that we receive and we need him to help us to be out on mission for him. Let's take the cup. I want to pray God's blessing over this and then we'll sing together to close our time. Lord, I ask just uniquely that your spirit would be poured out on us. Even as we receive your forgiveness, receive your grace, receive this wonderful calling to be your hands and feet to a world in need. I just ask your spirit to minister individually in families and circumstances. I pray, God, the blessing of your love to overwhelm us. And just, I pray for a hunger that will want to be with you more. It won't be a nice little sacrament on the weekend. It'll be an outplay of our being with you regularly. So I ask that blessing in your name. And thank you, God, that you're with us, whether life is good, bad, or ugly. You're here all the ways and all times. You're faithful. Remind us of that even as we sing now. is with you. He is for you. He loves you. The best thing he gives you is him. And out of that, out of being with him, we live differently. Living stones sent everywhere you go to bring hope and life to a world in need.